0: Well that'll get you going, huh? Thank you, Choir. Vance Chancel choir under the direction of Mrs. Debbie Briding. Now some of you may be wondering why we didn't do that on the Fourth of July, especially since the Fourth of July happened on a Sunday this year. It's my fault. Um, and it's because I am very concerned about an emerging trend in our nation called Christian nationalism by some. Christian nationalism is a strange mix of Christianity and patriotism. And it goes so far as to say that that America is the only nation that God has blessed, Therefore, we don't need immigrants, we don't need the rest of the world, we don't need Jews. You've seen it before, it emerged, this kind of thing in Nazi Germany. We have a whole confession in our church that says, beware of this. The Barman Declaration, which was written around the time of Nazi Germany, says that as Christians we put Christ... Before all else, even our nation. But what does that mean for people like our veterans who have served, unserved honorably, and given to us and to our nation to make it a great place? Many of whom have done that out of their own faith convictions. Those are people who deserve to be honored. And many of them are people who are hurting deeply as a result of their service. We have known for a long time about something called post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, I'm going to invite my friend John Looney to come up here. John, if you would. John's going to sit here and put a mic on. And I'm going to sit here and I'm going to interview John in just a minute. I want you to know about the work he is doing with veterans because it's remarkable. And Phil Pollack will tell you that I really love John Looney and it's true. <laughs> because he says every time I talk about John he says she says that about him all the time and what I say about him is that I believe that he is an American hero. And I will tell you I will tell you all why that is in just a minute but yeah. But that's why I want him to come and talk to us today, because the work that he is doing with American veterans is remarkable. And and John is working a lot with something called moral injury, and he'll tell you more about that in a minute. But moral injury is the notion that if you're a young soldier and your commander says, go and shoot that lady... That lady with the baby, because the baby might have a a bomb in their diaper, which actually happened a lot in in Vietnam. That happened a lot. um, That that causes within you something to go. That's not right. That's a moral injury to you, and and it happens on many levels. One, because why is the commander telling you that? Two, because why is a why would a mother put a bomb in her baby's diaper? Three, why do you have to shoot them to, to cause all that? All of those kinds of things work this up in somebody, and they keep it with them for years in many times. So I want to read to you a little bit from Psalm 91. Psalm 91, you will know because we sing it um, Often. But what you don't know is there's a myth around Psalm 91 that in World War I, the 91st unit used to carry it in their pocket and they used to recite it. And they were in three major battles where there were something like 90% casualties in all the battles. And the myth is that their unit had zero casualties. And the myth is, of course, that the reason for that was that they recited the psalm together. We have since learned, and they were the 91st unit, so they read the 91st psalm. Well, we've since learned that the units only went up to 87, so we know that's not exactly a true story. It's a great story, though, um, and this is still called the soldier psalm because there are much in here about what happens to soldiers and what they wish from God as they're praying. So. It says this, "'You who live in the shelter of the Most High, "'who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, "'will say to the Lord, "'My refuge and my fortress, "'my God in whom I trust. "'For He will deliver you from me "'from the snare of the fowler, "'from the deadly pestilence. "'He will cover you with His pinions. "'Under His wings you shall find refuge. "'His faithfulness is a shield.' You will not fear the terror of night or the arrow that flies by day or the pestilence that stalks in the darkness nor the destruction that wastes the noonday. A thousand may fall at your side. These are military images, right? Ten thousand at your right hand, but you will not, But it will not come near you. You only look with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your refuge, the Most High your dwelling place, no evil shall ever befall you, no scourge come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. And on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder the young lion and the serpent, you will trample under your foot. Those who love me, I will deliver. I will protect those who know my name. And when they call to me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. With long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. So, John, are you on? I don't know. Probably not. Let's see. There we go. Green light. Okay. John, welcome. It's Thank good you. to see you. This is a new way for us to do sermons here, but I think it'll work. Um, if you would just start by telling our, our friends here what, what it is you do, I think that would be helpful.
1: Okay. Uh, the Vet program was set up... Uh, right after Vietnam. Uh, that was at the time that uh, I started addressing the um, symptomology of post-traumatic stress, what we call now post-traumatic stress. Before it was called, in Civil War, it was called Lonely Hearts Disease. Uh, in uh, First World War, shell shock, uh, combat fatigue, uh, and uh, delayed stress syndrome, that was in 79. And then uh, became post-traumatic stress, uh, where you could—it uh, was an actual diagnosis. Uh, the symptomology remains the same throughout history. Uh, people that go through trauma uh, have symptomology of uh, uh, the uh, recollection of the uh, events that uh, that they experience. Uh, it's, usually, it's all about life uh, dying, someone dying beside them watching someone die, actually have to take someone's life uh, your life uh, ne- uh, nearly being taken uh, so it's all related to, to living and uh, breathing air and not breathing air um, so those symptomologies uh, last throughout life and what you, what we do is help people understand how they can live with them, rather than deny them, uh, uh, force them away, say it never happened. Um, oftentimes, that sort of stuff develops anger when you when you're denying that you have a problem. It, it gets into anger. Uh, but the anger's any anger. Yeah, is uh, uh, after fear uh, the emotion of fear comes first before anger so if you find yourself angry then you say well what am I afraid of and what you do is you address how to solve that fear rather than being angry blowing, uh, blowing smoke at somebody telling them that they're they're terrible, uh, blaming someone else for your plight instead of taking control of it. Our nation's going through that now, um, and uh,
0: it's a different take on looking at our nation right now. And instead of saying what are we angry about, saying what are we afraid of as a nation. You know, there's lots of there's lots of division right now and lots of anger, but. What are we as a nation afraid of? We think about you, your, your work is with individuals. And yep. they come in perhaps having, uh, you know, assaulted their wives or um, been in some sort of altercation, perhaps in a bar or something, have some legal trouble like that or, or um, trouble with their children um, from the anger that they carry.
1: Yeah, and then you, you s- work
0: on what, are they, what, are, what it, what's really at the root of that.
1: Yeah, the, the, uh, uh, usually someone comes in uh, because their spouse, is, uh, I, I say about seven years after being deployed, uh, a spouse will say, you've got to get this taken care of. Mm-hmm. You're angry, you're grumpy, I can't relate to you, uh, you're preoccupied, and I want to be a part of your life and you're not letting me. And uh, that's usually when, when the veterans come in. Now, we have female veterans that have had uh, been sexually molested, military sexual trauma. Uh, f- that's much different for females because they cannot say anything. They're afraid even more to, to uh, talk about their, what happened to them and their fear of it happening again and how they're going to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we bring those folks in uh, and talk in, uh, with them also. Um,
0: so tell us, though, you, 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 we once worked with PTSD. Now you have moved on to what is sort of a new field um, called moral injury. So tell tell us, and for those of you who don't know, my friend Nancy Ramsey, my friend and mentor Nancy Ramsey, who was here for my installation, um, actually runs the Moral Injury Institute. Uh, And has written and has edited a book about moral injury, which I gave to John. She's very excited to come back to Wheeling so that she can she can sit with John, and they can talk about. I I can't imagine what this conversation is going to look like, but she wants to come and sit and talk with you about moral injury. I'd like that. Yeah, and one one of her concerns, she has come to this work out of work with um, survivors of sexual assault and abuse. And one of the statistics she told me about recently was there's a new paper out that says as many as 75% of women in the military have suffered some sort of sexual assault. Um, well, that, that would cause moral injury. Yes. Yeah.
1: Sex, uh,
0: but tell us about moral injury more. Uh,
1: moral injury is uh, you, you question yourself. Uh, and your relationship with God, uh, very simply. Uh, And oftentimes, uh, we get those values from not only church, but from our families, our schools, uh, when we're growing up. And so those values are with us. So when we are traumatized uh, with life-threatening situations, we question what what values go along with this, uh, and we try to make those values that we learn apply, and they don't all the time apply. And so, what we need to do is to reevaluate those values and pick up new values. Um, for instance, we were taught it's not "thou shall not kill." Uh, and so, when you go into battle, you think you're doing wrong because you're killing. Uh, what I do is I remind guys to look, in, guys and gals, to look into uh, Samuel two, uh, chapter eleven, I believe, and uh, that's where uh, King David, who had a talk about a body count, I mean, he was a wonderful soldier. Uh, and he did a lot of killing, but he sent Bathsheba's husband to uh, with a letter back to his command, and the letter said to the commander, "Show or take Orik out to the uh, uh, to the battle and abandon him." Uh, now that was murder, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and God and David had a discussion about that, and uh, and God
0: was not happy.
1: No. <laughs> and and uh, and David repented and uh, accepted that he had done wrong. Um, so I remind people about that that there's a difference between murder and uh, killing. Uh, one time I was in training. It may have been the same training we did together. Mm-hmm. Somebody said to me, uh, "Would you kill again?" And I said, "Well, if my wife or my family or or somebody that I know was being threatened, uh, then I would kill. Uh, that I would feel that responsibility to save them. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go right out." i tried to do something other than killing them before I just wouldn't flat out shoot them and kill them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think there's other alternatives and I would want to be in the mindset. I wouldn't want to be angry, but I'd be in the mindset where I want to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, You'll find that the better soldiers, the ones that wanted to solve the problem, they weren't angry. Uh, An angry soldier is one that is not paying attention to what's going on and he's he's not making good decisions and he will end up uh, getting himself or others killed. So you want somebody that's going to solve the problem that's not angry. Um, and those, those are the guys that I served with. Uh, we were a volunteer unit and uh, if somebody demonstrated um, uh, anger in the field or some stupid thing that they did in the field and they weren't weren't going to learn from that, they weren't going to learn the lesson then we never took them back out Uh, and and that happened several times but the important thing that, that I want people to know is you don't have to be angry you can solve the problem um one personal incident that I had uh, in, um, uh, in in combat, I was uh, I was I would carry the radio. And that was my purpose, uh, and uh, that and I took that very seriously. Uh, then uh, one uh, time, the uh, team leader t- said, "John, I'm going to take your radio, and I'm going to talk to the talk to the uh, captain." behind in the rear and I want you to go and lay up on the uh, trail there and tell us if any, anybody is coming. And, uh, and then we took a new guy I took a new guy he faced the trail one way I faced the trail the other way. And uh, the young guy says I hear somebody. And so I listened and sure enough he's right there's somebody talking. So I signaled the uh, team leader and uh, now I'm, I'm about that far off the trail, and I'm thinking, boy, that was stupid. Why did I get that close? And, uh, and then they started walking by, and they were talking, but they weren't talking about uh, the World Series. And uh, so uh, I laid still, and my breathing increased. I was I was panting like a dog. My heart rate increased. I was really scared, and uh, and I was wondering why? Why am I here? What I should be with the radio. Uh, then I, I was just ready to get angry when I felt uh, a presence, and uh, over my right shoulder, I I could. Uh, I I don't want to say I could feel a touch, but I could feel a presence. And I started thinking about, okay, if I'm going to die, this is my death. How do I want to to die? I'm not going to let someone else be in charge of my death when I can take charge of it. So I started thinking about, I started taking control of the situation and looking at it uh, without anger, and I developed a plan that if I heard them talking uh, and they all of a sudden st- uh, started uh, their voices increase with excitement then i would I would know that they 'd seen me and I, what I would do was I'd be I would run away from the rest of the team and uh, draw their fire while the rest of the team could fire on them and not not they would not know where the fire is coming from. Um, that gave me purpose, uh, and uh, once I started thinking like that and and getting uh, a plan together, my breathing dropped, uh, my heart rate dropped, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and that was God. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I invite. Invited God to come in. I felt him, and then I, then I invited him to come in. Uh, Nothing happened during that. They walked by, and uh, uh, and there was no contact uh, that time. And uh, uh, twenty-eight of them walked by, and we went back and told.
0: Twenty-eight.
1: Yeah, uh, twenty-eight NVA walked past us, and uh, the uh, uh, went back to the rear. In uh, uh, to debrief, and infantry intelligence came in and said, "What, uh, what do you all see?" And we told them, and they said, "You didn't see that." <laughs> now, now I'm I'm a little disappointed at that point. <laughs> so I I I said, "Well, I took pictures," and I did. We had uh, uh, taken uh, small cameras out and uh, that we bought ourselves. And uh, so he took, he took that camera, ripped the film out of it, and uh, disappeared in a flash. Uh, and, and I was, as he was going, I said, why do you send us out there if you don't believe us? Uh, but the thing with military intelligence is they got an idea, and they wanted us to go out and prove their idea. Mm-hmm. And that was, and that was uh, not the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never did get the film back. So. Yeah. Oh,
0: well, well, we'll write him a letter. <laughs> um, first of all, so that we're not one of those churches, just know that the, the Hebrew is very clear in the Ten Commandments that the word is not thou shalt not kill, it is thou shalt not murder. And when I preach about that, I talk about the difference of if somebody's crazy and they take an Uzi and, and gun down this playground, that's murder. But if I'm driving down the street and a child happens to run out in front of my car and I hit them and they are killed, that's killing. That's not there. I had no intention of doing that. I didn't want to do that. So, um, so just so that it's out there in this church setting, there is a difference between killing and murder. And the, the Hebrew word in the Ten Commandments is very clear that it's thou shalt not murder. Um, We've heard John a little bit about your experience, your experiencing God in combat. But I know um, John came to me very, very shortly after he and Gail started come to church here and and brought me, one of the ways he treats folks he works with is that he has written poetry and 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 reads it to them and then says react to it respond to it and um apparently he thinks i'm a good public speaker because he's had me read those in some of his events and they're (laughs) lovely but he brought them to me and said you know how is this spiritual where do you see god in this what's Mm -hmm. the spirituality of this and that kind of thing um so uh, i'd like to hear just a little bit about where you see God in your work
1: oh uh, and it's
0: it's probably myriad but
1: yeah i i demonstrate god i don't i don't profess god i i uh I talk uh with guys and gals about their trauma and uh, and talk about uh, I'll, I'll relate the story of uh, uh, King David, uh, and that carries a lot of weight. Uh, uh, I've I've seen that, but uh, I act I act spiritually. The one thing you, you, you notice about uh, guys and gals that have been in combat is they never use the Lord's name in vain. Uh, hmm. Oh, they'll cuss. But they won't. They won't use the Lord's name in vain, uh, because they felt God's presence. Uh,
0: it's the adage: "There are no atheists in foxholes."
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, uh, getting back to what you were saying, what what you want me to address? I forgot. Just
0: where God, where you see God in your work? Uh,
1: well, I see it in people's faces. I, mm-hmm. I, uh, uh, I feel it. Uh, uh, I address it uh, through my voice, uh, through concern, uh, and uh, people respond to that. Uh, I get some guys that are uh, hardcores, so or I don't, I don't admit that, uh, but then we smile mm-hmm. and
0: because uh, uh, part of what you fight is a whole kind of machismo. Sure. Thing that goes along with being military.
1: Yeah, yeah. And we tease each other about that too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and we have a good time teasing each other. Uh, and uh, for instance, the, the, the Navy tells me the Coast Guard has a uh, height requirement. And I said, I didn't know that. He says, Oh, yeah when their ships go down, they have to be able to walk to shore, so they have to be tall.
0: Enough.
1: <laughs> right. But we have all kinds of jokes like that. Uh, and, and, uh, but that's the camaraderie ship. Uh, and,
0: um, Which there's something godly in that, even.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that brotherhood uh, and sisterhood. Um, uh, in my lifetime, I've seen... Uh, sisters come into that brotherhood and uh, uh, and, I, and I see that transition mm-hmm. and I keep watching it as it transitions uh, and it's uh, wonderful to see. Mm-hmm.
0: So I just wanted you to hear a little bit about what John does. Um, there is today missing from our ranks a gentleman who is truly an American hero and has been recognized as such. He used to be an usher before COVID happened and was here most every Sunday. He has a bronze star with clusters, which if you know anything about military awards, that's a big freaking deal. Um, But when I first came here, he wanted to talk about his experience in the war. And he teared up all the time and would say things like, I don't understand why we had to do that. And he was really haunted by it. But this guy's in his 80s. You know who he is. So... The reason I wanted you to meet John and the reason that I think John is an American hero is because I really truly believe if there were more men like this, there would be less men like that who are haunted by something that happened to them 60 years plus ago. And I think that is godly work. Um, That's why I always say this is a man to be respected. So thank you, John, for... Thank you for your service on many levels, and thank you for being willing to share that with us. You are much appreciated.